You are now listening to the Sanctuary Church Living Word Podcast. We hope that the message that you will hear will inspire your walk with Christ and that it will encourage you to draw closer to God. Now let's listen to today's episode on the Sanctuary Church Living Word Podcast. Preach along, but I'm going to preach along through. Is that all right? Um, due to the length of the passage of scripture and the limitations on our time, I won't ask you to stand, uh, but I would that you would join me in the book of Mark, chapter 2, second book of the New Testament, so you ain't even got to lose your mind trying to find it. For those of y'all that do have your Bibles, and if you're sitting by somebody that act like they've been in church their whole life, y'all help them find it. Mark, chapter 2. Open your Bibles or tap on your Bible app. Y'all got it? Say amen. Amen. I'm reading from the New Living Translation by choice, Mark chapter 2. I'm reading through the 12th verse, if you don't mind. There you will find these words recorded. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. I'm going to say that part again. I thought y'all was going to shout. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Amen. The word of God is already blessed. Amen. I know we've probably had moments of fellowship, but just in case you find yourself sitting beside someone with whom you have not had the chance to speak, I would that you would look your neighbor in the eye and say, neighbor. Okay, now everybody else. The the six people that said something, I appreciate it. Look at somebody and say, neighbor. Say, it had to happen like this. That was the wrong person. Look at somebody else and say, neighbor. Say, it had to happen like this. Amen. It had to happen like this. Imagine, if you will, the scene at a Little League baseball game. It's an early fall day. The sun is shining. The kids are in the dugout. They're clapping and and excited, um, cheering for the game. And behind the home plate uh, dugout, behind the home plate, there's a set of bleachers. All the parents and the adults are there. They're clapping and they're cheering, um, excited about the game that's about to take place. And on this particular day, there's one young man who comes up to the batter's box and he's excited and he's um, prepared and practiced for this day and he's anxious to show his parents and his teammates how hard he's been working for this day. So he gets in the batter's box, he's still a little nervous so the first pitch comes, he doesn't swing at the first pitch, second pitch comes, 
He swings the bat harder than he's ever swung before. He makes connection with the ball. The ball, the ball goes down the third baseline. He drops the bat, and he takes off running towards first base. He's running faster than he's ever run before with more vigor than he's ever run before. He reaches first base safely. Uh, but then he notices he has an opportunity to steal second base, so he tags first base, and as he's heading towards second base, something strange begins to happen. He heads towards second base, and he's now not running with the same speed or the same vigor with which he was running as he headed towards first base. And as he begins to head towards second base, something strange happens. He begins to clutch his chest, and all of a sudden, he falls face first to the earth. And as you might imagine, the parents' excitement now turns into sheer and utter terror and worry as they see their son laying face first on the earth. They jump over the fence, run onto the field, turn their son over, and they see a look on their son's face that they've never seen before. They see his eyes rolling to the back of his head. His skin is beginning to change colors, and they understand something catastrophic is going on, so we need to get out of here. They pick up his son, put him in the truck, and they race off to the nearest hospital. Now, for those of you that have ever watched TV for longer than 20 minutes, you know that I've just explained to you one of the earlier scenes in one of my favorite Denzel Washington movies, John Q. Y'all seen that movie? For those of you that may not have seen the movie, um, let me give you a brief synopsis. Uh, long story short, when they get to the hospital, they talk to the hospital staff, and the hospital staff tells them that their son needs a heart transplant, and without it, he's going to die. They tell him, they tell John Q and his wife that the surgery is going to cost $250,000. And before they do that, they need a down payment of $75,000. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're like regular people, you don't have $250,000 laying around. And John Q and his wife aren't people who are very wealthy. So in order to raise the money for their son to have this surgery, they begin to sell everything they own. They sell their TVs, they sell their cars, they even sell their wedding rings in an effort to raise money for the surgery. Long story short, one day John Q's wife goes to the hospital and the hospital lets her know that they've done all they can do and they're going to release her son. And it's at this point where for me the movie takes a dramatic turn. John Q's wife calls him and she simply says, do something. And it's at this point where John Q's decision has a head-on collision with desperation. Now, I'm not here to talk about the means he took, whether they were right or wrong, but what I am here to ask the house, I know I'm not the only person in here that's ever been in a desperate situation, and I cried out. I said, God, if you, got, if you don't come through right now, you've got to do something. Am I talking to some real folk in here? I know I'm not the only one who's ever had more month than money. My bills were due. I didn't have no gas in the car. I didn't know how I was going to eat. I said, God, you got to do something. And what I've come to discover is that desperate times call for desperate measures. Now, if you ain't never been desperate for God to do something, then this message probably wouldn't apply to you. But for the seven or eight real folk in the room that's ever been down to your last dime, you didn't know how you were going to get out of that situation. You said, God, you got to do something. And if you don't come through right now, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, they talking about me on the job. My friends are going crazy. My husband just walked out on me. God, you got to do something. 
Now, I know some of the reason why some of y'all ain't waving y'all hands or y'all saying it don't take all of that. But I promise you, if you fool around and fall in love and have somebody walk out on you, I promise you, you're going to say, God, you got to do something. So John Q's uh, dilemma has a head-on collision with desperation. Now, this message, again, like I said, is only, it only applies to the desperate folks. So if you've never been in a desperate situation, you have our permission to get up and walk out right now. But the folk that have ever been desperate, I think this text is tailored to teach us. Um, it shows us some things in your life have to happen. And if they don't happen, you probably wouldn't be in the situation that you're in had these events not unfolded the way they unfolded. Some of y'all didn't know how strong you could be until you had to go through a situation where you had to be strong. Some of y'all didn't know how much you could handle until you had to go through a situation where you had to handle it. Some, some of y'all didn't know how much you could bear until you had to go through a situation where you had no... I wish I would talk to somebody in here. Somebody had had to go through something and I promise you things have to unfold the way they unfolded in order for you to say there was nobody but the Lord that brought me through the situation there was nobody but Jesus that could have got me out of the situation I mean am I talking to some real folk in here so sometimes stuff has to happen the way now listen I know we really don't like being talked about we really don't like our backs being up against the wall we really don't like being down to our last dime but if you've ever been in those situations and you're still here you can look back over your life and say if it had not been for the Lord listen you've survived a hundred percent of your worst days I just gave y'all a good place to shout and you missed it I said you've survived a hundred percent of your worst days we're here on November 20th, 2022, and somebody in this room thought in January you faced a situation that was going to take you out. Somebody in April, you faced a situation you said, there's no way I'm going to get through this. In September, you said, I'm faced with a situation, and there's no way I'm going to get through this. Here you are, 11 months into the year. Stuff had to happen the way it happened in order for you to be sitting here and open your mouth and give God praise. It had to happen that way. <laughs> I think I got the right crowd. It had to happen that way. So when you read this text, you'll find out there's a paralyzed man with four friends. And the text lays out some things that had to happen in order for the text to end up the way it ends up. Amen. First thing I want you to to see is the problem in the text. Now, notice I didn't say the problem um, with the text. There's a problem in the text. The text says that these four men uh, carry their paralyzed friend on a mat, and they can't get into the room because of the crowd. Now, up to this point, Jesus, um, he's had his temptation uh, with Satan. He's called for four fishermen as disciples. He's cast out an unclean spirit in the synagogue. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. He even cleansed the leper. So I would assume there were some folk in the building. They didn't really come to get a blessing. They just came to see, is this Jesus guy who, who, who he really is, who he says he is? What I'm trying to explain to you, everybody in the building ain't coming for the same reason. Listen, I know that don't apply to you because all of y'all are saved, but some of your cousins come to church just so they can see what's going on. The, the, the text says they can't bring their friend to Jesus because of the crowd. 
What type of crowd must it have been for them to see these, these men carrying their paralyzed, mat, their paralyzed friend on the mat and nobody said, hey, y'all make a way, let, this, let these guys in. Um, we have to be careful not to let our thoughts about Jesus become more important than what it means to live for Jesus. I'm going to say it again. I'll say it this way. You ought not be so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. Even as I'm preaching right now, if somebody comes in and say, hey, there's an emergency. I'm having a heart attack. What the Lord would not want you to do is say, I'll get to you after the sermon is over. But even right now, even though it's not protocol, we ought not be part of the problem that's keeping folks from seeing Jesus. And you're wondering why some folk in your family don't come to church is because they're looking at you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Text says there's a problem. They can't get to Jesus because of the crowd. Now, I don't know how uh, great of a distance these men had to bring their best friend, but I would assume, Bishop, uh, that it wasn't an easy trip. They couldn't call an Uber. They couldn't call a taxi. They had to walk from wherever they had to walk from to bring their friend to Jesus. And nobody in the crowd said, hey, let these guys in. So there's a problem. But I love it because the problem then leads to persistence. The text says they get to the door. Nobody lets them in. And it, they could have said, you know what? We've come all this way. Ain't no room to get in. We're going back home. They, per, they were persistent. They said, listen, our friend needs something. So I don't care what has to happen. We're going to climb up to the top of the roof, cut a hole in the roof, and let this man down. What I'm trying to explain to you is that if, if it don't work out the first time, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. Now, I know I'm not the only person that's ever prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, I need you to do something right now. And the scene, the Lord was nowhere to be found. But sometimes you got to keep going. You got to keep praying. You got to keep going. You got to keep praying. You got to keep fasting. After you fast, you got to pray. After you pray, you got to fast. After you fast, you got to pray. And after you, well, I'm going to keep saying it until you get it. Sometimes you got to be persistent. I think it was Michael Jackson said, don't stop till you get enough. Amen. Beck, you just referenced it. Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. The problem, the reason why some of us are still in the situation we're in is that you threw in the towel too soon. You, you gave up too soon, and the Lord was just about to come down your row, and you said, the Lord has forgot about my problem. He don't see me. You need to be persistent. So the problem in the text um, leads to persistence. I love this part. The persistence then reveals the priority. I love this. Check this out. I've, I've, I've read this scripture a hundred times, and it wasn't until this week, Bishop, this, this completely blew my mind. They tear a hole in the roof. They let their friend down, and Jesus says, I see your faith, but his sins are forgiven. You missed it. He says, I see your faith, but his sins are forgiven. You got to have some folk around you that understand sometimes you need it more than they need it. It ain't all about you. Jesus never said, here's some money for your trouble. Jesus never said, hey, you guys, he never gave him a pat on the back. All he said was, I see your faith, 
but his sins are forgiven. Jesus deals with the man's sin problem. And whether you want to admit it or not, everybody in this room got a sin problem. Whether you want to raise your hands, and I know you're not going to say amen to that part, but everybody in this room has a sin problem. Jesus could have easily said, get up off your bed and walk, but Jesus deals with the man's sin problem, which is the priority. Jesus deals with the man's internal issue. What good is it that my arm works if on the inside I still want to cuss my neighbor out? What good is it if my, if my leg works if on the inside I still want to go home and cuss my wife out? What good is it being physically healed if internally I still got hell going on? Jesus deals with the man's sin problem, which is the priority. He says, I see your faith. But his sins are forgiven. And notice how, I wish I had time, Bishop. Notice how after Jesus deals with the man's priority, notice he's still on his back. What I'm simply trying to explain to you is sometimes after Jesus deals with the priority, which is a sin problem, he'll cause us to lay there because he knows that if, if it be left up to us, we're going running back right to that same situation that he just delivered us from. I wish I had some real folk in here that it would say amen. You know what I've learned is that when we say, Lord, do it, but do it in your own time, what that really means is, Lord, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. So if you don't come through right now, I ain't really tripping. But he deals with the man's sin problem, which is the priority. I love it. So the problem uh, leads to persistence. The persistence then reveals the priority. The priority then causes patience. Notice how Jesus says, I see y'all's faith. His sins are forgiven. And he turns his attention away from this paralyzed man to address a conversation that, he, that, didn't, that wasn't even a verbal conversation. Are y'all Bible still open? Y'all still got your Bible app open? The text says they thought to themselves, who is this man to forgive sins? This man is still on his back. Has anybody ever been in a situation where the Lord came through, but you felt like you needed a little bit more, and you could, it, it seemed like you prayed every night, the Lord was nowhere to be found, you gave your tithes, and the Lord was nowhere to be found, you was the first one at church to leave, you was the first one at church, you was the last one to leave, and it seemed like there was nowhere to be found. The Lord is trying to teach us patience. We even sing a song, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. What the Lord is trying to teach you and I is that sometimes we got to have patience. Jesus says, I see your faith. His sins are forgiven. Then he turns his attention away from this man that needs something to address a conversation that these folks weren't even having out loud. It blows my mind that Jesus still knows what we need even when it seems like he's nowhere to be found. Listen, this ain't, I told you last time I preached, this ain't the first time you've been in a situation. This ain't the first time you've been broke. This ain't the first time folk done talk about you. And the Lord knows that he needs, that you need him to come through. The Lord hasn't forgot about your situation. The Lord hasn't forgot about the fact that your rent is due. The Lord hasn't forgot about the fact that you still got, you, you need a new job. The Lord has not forgot about your situation. Is there anybody in the room that's ever been through something and the Lord seemed like he was nowhere to be found, but when he came through, it was right on time. The Bible says that you have need of patience. So the man is still laying there on his back while Jesus 
is having this discord with some of the folk that just came to see, is this Jesus guy really who he says he is? And I've made up in my mind, let me put here, I'm going to pause here parenthetically to tell you this. I'd rather live like Jesus is and find out that he's not as opposed to living like he's not and find out that he is. You mean to tell me I'm going through all this hell and I'm going to get there and not, not have served Jesus? I would rather live like he is and find out that he's not. And just in case you hadn't heard, I promise you I'm a living witness that he is who he says he is. I'm a living witness that Jesus will come through. I'm a living witness that Jesus will open the door. I don't know about you, but I'm only standing here and the praise team already said it. I'm already here because he never worked. That walked out on me. Now, I'm not here because I deserve it. I promise you, there were times where the Lord should have turned his back on me. There were times where the Lord should have walked out on me. But praise be to God who always causes us to triumph. I'm only here because the Lord never turned his back. I'm only here because the Lord never walked out on me. I'm only here because the Lord never took his hand off me. I'm only here because by, by, by the grace of God. Is there anybody in the room? Room that's thankful for grace. Is there anybody in the room that even when you turned your back on him, he didn't take his hand off of you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He never walked out on me, man. He never walked out on me, man. I promise you, if you knew what I did, I wouldn't be on program today. But he never walked out on me. He never turned his back on me. He never gave up on me. Now, I don't know about you, but I used up my second chance a long time ago. Is there anybody in the room that's on your 379,000th chance? Okay, some of y'all got your halos on real tight. I need you to bump your neighbor and say, listen, you ain't, you ain't always been this cute. You ain't always been this put together. You ain't always been in church. You ain't always had stuff all together. And the thing I like about the Lord, he'll hold it together until you get it together. I said he'll hold it together until we get it together. The Bible says that you got to have patience so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The reason things had to happen in your life the way they happen is so that, so that somebody else who's going through the same thing you're going through, you can look at them and say, baby, I've been through that. The Lord came through for me. Baby, I've been through that situation. The Lord knows what you need, baby. I've been, I've been through that several times. I can tell you it was nobody but the Lord that brought me out. All right, let me hurry up. Some of y'all, some of y'all look bored. So text says, the text reveals, again, things have to happen the way they happen. We're not just here by happenstance. Amen. So the problem leads to persistence. The persistence reveals the priority. The priority causes patience. I love this. The patience, this is where the shout goes. The patience then produces power. 
Oh, my gosh. He was patient. So then the patience produced power. The text says, Jesus says to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Bible says, he jumped up. Oh, my gosh. I'm giving y'all a good place to shout. Y'all missed it. Jesus says, stand up. Now, if it's me, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to try to staple myself. But he knows who Jesus is. The Lord says, stand up. The Bible says he jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home. And the question then becomes, if Jesus has all power, why would he tell this man to carry this mat, which is a constant reminder of the situation that he's been in? When the Lord does what only the Lord can do, the thing that was carrying you, the thing that was carrying you, he'll bless in such a way that you're now carrying it. Is there anybody in here that you suffer from depression and you thought you was going down for the last time, but now you're carrying depression? It's not carrying you. Is there anybody in this house that's ever had their heart broken and you thought you was never going to get up from that heartbreak, but that heartbreak that was carrying you, you now look at heartbreak and say, listen, Brick, give me your best shot. I'm here because the Lord gave me power. The Lord showed his power in my life. Is there anybody in the room that you're here because the Lord showed his power in your life? The Bible says that Jesus tells him to stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. He picks up his mat. He jumps up, picks up his mat. Now notice how earlier in the text, he came with four people. At the end of the text, the Bible doesn't say that he said, all right, y'all, we got what we came for. Now we got to leave. Sometimes even the people that direct you to Jesus, they, keep, they can't keep going where you're going. And the only reason the Bible says that they let him down in front of Jesus, the only reason that some of us are here is because some of our so-called fake friends let us down. The only reason that you have the relationship with the Lord like you do is because somebody that you thought you could count on let you down. See, I, and, and, and I discovered um, friends, folk will tell you they'll be there through thick and thin. And as soon as time starts getting thick, that's when folks start thinning out. But he came with some people. They had good intentions. But sometimes as the Lord elevates you, everybody can't go where you're going. So the, the problem leads to persistence. The persistence then reveals the priority. The priority causes patience. The patience produces power. The power then sets a precedent. Okay, I know why you ain't shouting. The word precedent is uh, defined as an event or action that is regarded as an example or guide to be considered in subsequent similar circumstances. In other words, in layman's terms, for slow people like me, when the Lord does something that only the Lord can do, you have to raise your hands and say, there was nobody but Jesus that could have done this. So the next time the Lord does something that only the Lord can do, your response should be, God, I thank you because I know there was nobody but you. The next time the Lord 
Lord comes through when you thought you was going down for the last time, our response should be, God, thank you, because there was nobody that could have gotten this done like you got it done. The next time the Lord opens a door that nobody but the Lord could open, our response should be, God, thank you, because I know had it not been for you, I don't know what I was going to do. That's why things have to happen the way they had to happen in order for you to give God the praise. I wonder, is there anybody in here that's had at least 15 minutes worth of trouble, and as you come through on the other side, you come out stronger, you come out wiser, you come out better, and your response should be, God, I thank you, because if it had not been for you, I would have thrown in a towel a long time ago. I'm about to go to my seat. Bible says the patience produces power. The power then set a precedent. Verse 12 says they were all amazed, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. The Bible says in Job chapter 5, verse 9, he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed. Miracles that cannot be counted. And I told you last week, oftentimes, the Lord will wait until we're in jeopardy before he comes through. So you can't say that was my friend that hooked me up. It was even the bishop that hooked me up. It wasn't my mama. It wasn't my daddy. It wasn't my grandmother. It wasn't my grandfather. It was nobody but the Lord. Amen. So I'm almost done. I'm going to tell you this last thing. So text says they bring their friend to Jesus. They lower him down through the roof. The problem uh, leads to persistence. The persistence then reveals the priority, which is the man's sin problem. Priority causes him to have patience. The patience produces power. The power set a precedent that the next time they were confronted with a situation like this, they would say it was nobody but the Lord. This is the part that caused me to lose my mind. Now, I told you before, there were some folk in the room that just came to spectate. There were some folk in the house that just came to say, this guy, this, this Jesus guy really ain't who he says he is. There were some folk in the room that just came to talk about what was going on. The Bible says, after the precedent, verse 12 says, they were all amazed and left praising God. So the priority causes patience. The patience produced power. The power set a precedent. The precedent results in a praise. That's where the shout goes. The Bible says that everybody in the house opened their mouth and praised God. I wonder what would happen if everybody in the house opened their mouth and gave God the praise that it was due. I wonder if every single person on your row gave God the praise that it was due. I wonder if everybody in the house would give God a wave offering and thank God for all the things he's done in your life. I wonder, is there anybody in the room that would nudge your neighbor and say, excuse me, I got to get this praise out. I wonder if everybody in this house would open your mouth and give God a praise. I wonder what would happen if everybody in this house opened your mouth and gave God the praise that it was due. I wonder what would happen if everybody in the house opened your mouth and gave God the praise. I wonder what would happen if at least seven of y'all said, listen, it had to happen that way. I had to go through. I had to get knocked down. I I had to get told no. I had to get my body wrapped with pain. I had to lose that job. I had to get my car repossessed. I wonder what would happen if everybody in the house opened your mouth and gave God a praise. 
I said, I wonder what would happen if every single person in the house opened your mouth and thank God that it had to happen that way. I had to go through. I had to get knocked down. I had to lose my job. I had to get told no. Oh, oh Lord. And just in case you think you're the only person that's ever had to go through, the Bible says that even Jesus himself, as he was on his way to Calvary, said, Lord, if there's any other way that this can be done, please let it happen. But not my will, your will be done. In other words, he had to get crucified. He had to get nailed in his right hand. He had to get nailed in his left hand. They had to pierce him in his side. He had to go down to hell and preach captivity captive. But the thing that causes me to really lose my mind is the fact that he had to get up on the third day. And since he got up with all power in his hands, the next time I'm faced with a situation that looks like it might take me down, I'm gonna stand flat-footed and say, give me your best shot because it has to happen that way. In order for me to lift my hands and give God a praise, I had to get told no. I had to go, I had to go through it. I had to get sick. In order for, for God to get the praise out of us that he deserves, sometimes you're gonna have to go through. Sometimes you're gonna have to get sick. Sometimes that loved one might have to walk out on you. But the text says, after Jesus performed a miracle that only Jesus could perform. They said, we've never seen nothing like this before. We've never seen anything like this before. And the man who was paralyzed left running. I wonder, is there anybody in the house that don't, that don't mind testifying saying, listen, I may not have been paralyzed, but I, I've been in a situation where I felt like I was on my back. And when the Lord changed my life, I went running to tell somebody, listen, you need to try Jesus. Because if he did it for me, he could do it. I wish I could tune up the way I feel it, Doc. <laughs> I said, I wish I could tune up the way I feel it. Because if it had not been for the Lord, who is on my side? I don't know where I'd be. I would have thrown in a towel a long time ago. My mother had to get sick in order for me to see with my own eyes that God can do it. My mother had to get sick so that you can see if he did it for her, he can do it for you. I wonder if there's anybody in the room that's thankful for every time, for every trial, for every situation, for every mountain, For every trial, you brought me over. For every mountain, you've seen me through. For every blessing, hallelujah. For this, for this, I give you praise. just talking about something I heard. I'm going to my seat when I tell you this. I got in the army to be an officer. In 2016, I went to officer candidate school and failed. It was the most painful, hurtful, humbling experience of my life. 
I was about to get out of the army. This don't mean much to you, but I promise you, bless me. And do something. Else. I know what that something else was going to be. But if it had not been for the Lord showing up, when I went back to Officer Cannon School the second time and completed, I'm telling you, sometimes you got to go through. Sometimes you got to fail. So that when you come out on the other side, you can look back and say, there was nobody but Jesus that brought me through this. If you ain't never failed at nothing, then that wouldn't mean much to you. But for the two or three folk in here, that you ain't always been on easy street. Sometimes, listen, you're looking at somebody whose car has been repossessed. You're looking at somebody who is faced with eviction. You're looking at somebody who's been jobless. Now, I ain't got it all together, but I can stand here and say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, it had to happen that way. I had to go through it. I had to get knocked down. So that the Lord could get the glory out of my life that he deserves. Is there anybody in the room that's been through at least six minutes worth of trouble in your life? And you can lift your hands and say, listen, for every mountain, for every trial, for every tribulation, for every time I got knocked down, for every time I got no, for every time they hurt me, for every time they slammed the door, that's why I give you praise. Listen, the grass may wither, the flower may fade, but the word of God shall stand forever. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. We pray that the message you just heard inspired your continued walk with Christ. To learn more about our ministry and our worship opportunities, visit us at www.tscindy.org or download our church app in your Apple or Google Play Store. Again, thank you for listening.